bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... If you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. This microphone is weird. Uh, it's kind of weird. 833 uh. is the number. I have too much stuff to talk about. Not enough time in the day. All of us Milwaukee is coming up. We have um, Bashir Easter, Dr. Bashir Easter, Dr. Jerome Williams coming in to talk about that. We have so much stuff that's going on. So, let's begin. Tomorrow we have Truth Roundtable. Linnell Ramey, Kyle Wallace will be in. We're going to be talking about money. Money, 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 money. As it relates to higher education. So that ought to be interesting. I'm Keeping that up, because in 5 o'clock, all of us Milwaukee will be in. We'll do a live show. I think you'll find it uh, phenomenal. But in this hour, I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects in terms of banks and money and reparations and all those things. If you were listening to to, uh, Sherwin Hughes today, he was talking about you know, how the economy affect, affected black people and labor and jobs and things of that nature. And so as I was coming in, I started listening to, oh, and speaking of that, at 4.30, I hope to have live the press conference for uh, shared revenue. So we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that 
And so we'll be we'll be you know hopefully TMJ4.com will will be running that live, and when they go in, we'll go in, um, because we want to know we they estimate giving us about ten percent of shared revenue back. So between twenty oh three and twenty twenty three, we went from two hundred fifty million to two hundred thirty million. So we've lost about twenty million dollars. So if they give us ten percent. That's only an addition. That's only twenty-three million. So we'll only be like three million ahead of. No, we won't be. We'll only be at forty-three million. See what I'm saying? What 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 exactly? What what good are you doing to us when you're not even replenishing what you had already given us in the past? But we'll wait till four thirty. If they're on time, we'll see. We'll get to as much of it as we can. Of course, we got bills to pay, so we'll be doing that and then running into it. First Republic Bank, if you've been in a vacuum or like some of our um, millennial and Gen Z offspring, don't watch the news. You should. We heard about the bank in San Francisco in the in the valley out there that failed. Right. And we know that it got bought up changed, diced up, and moved on to other banks, right? That then caused other regional banks to be examined, and they too were found lacking. There's a bank you need to know about named First Republic Bank. It was already in bad shape. Let me show you how bad shape, how how bad of shape it is. It was worth about $40 billion January 1st, 2023. As of today, it's worth about a billion. It's lost roughly 90% of its revenue. It's lost 60% of its depositors and so on and so on. It's on the verge of collapse. So behind the scenes, government regulators are frantically frantically seeking another bank to swoop in and purchase them and buy them. But they can't find anybody. Now, this is from the San Francisco Chronicle online. They cannot find anybody. The mismatch between the bank's assets and liabilities is too much. Earlier this week, First Republic said the customers withdrew. You ready? $102 billion in the first quarter alone, more than half of the $176 billion it held just in deposits. It shored itself up with a $92 billion loan from the government and then another $30 billion temporarily from other big banks. So my question is, why are we bothering with First Republic? Don't we live in a democracy where the strong survive, the weak die? Isn't that what we've been told by Republican and Democrat legislators throughout the years, throughout my life? This week, First Republic said it will slash a quarter of its staff, cut executive compensation, and reduce its real estate holdings to try to improve its balance sheet. Its stock is down 95%. And now it's only worth about $1 billion. SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank in New York, 
collapsed in March. Depositors took all their money. Why are we bothering? Why are we asking the federal government to help this predominantly white regional bank? All the black banks in Milwaukee got taken over or failed. The system is set up so that you can never quite win. We've been shutting down Freeman's Bank. We've been having labor issues where you can't get loans. You can't get real estate. You can't get credit cards. You can't get access to capital. But now all of a sudden we're weeping and crying about First Republic Bank. The city of Milwaukee is in dire trouble, whether you want to believe that or not. That's why the mayor is trying to demolish I-794 east and west and put up real estate so they can get the tax dollars back. The problem is the people that can afford it won't look like me and you. That's a good one. They don't look like you and me. So then, what do we do? How do we fix that? For me, that's where reparations come in. If you're going to give reparations, give it in the form of, you ready? School loan forgiveness. Guaranteeing by you paying off the loan, you tell all those folks You have to either have lived in Milwaukee for X amount of years or you plan to stay in Milwaukee for the next 10 years and buy property off the city roll. Then we can talk about it. If you're actually going to help people, that means you're going to take all the money and put it back into the economy Take all the money and give it back to the city, a portion of it at least. So if you have an issue with reparations, I get it. But in reparations, we'll help the city, we'll help the individual, you'll help their credit, they'll have a home. It may even raise the number of people in the city of Milwaukee that will then be able to pay taxes And we won't need shared revenue. But I digress. Our black banks have all failed, with the exception of one or two. Definitely Columbia Savings and Loan. Thank God they're still here. But what do we do about banks like First Republic? I say let's follow what Republicans always say when it comes to somebody that's going to win and someone that's going to lose. If you're strong, you survive. If you're weak, you die. And I'm talking about organizations, not people. And so, my suggestion to the President of the United States, to FDIC, to any of the federal regulators, to the Secretary of the Treasury, I say go to First Republic Bank, lock the door, and let them fail. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. 
This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number. I'm waiting until the, uh, if there's a feed from TMJ4 regarding um, Madison, Wisconsin and their uh, shared revenue. So we'll see if there's anything that is going on at that time. 833-212-1017 is the number. I'm excited for tomorrow. Um, the uh, Truth Roundtable is going to really, really dive into this whole college financing, college funding. So that's important. But, but these are the type of things that are going to be affecting us as black people here in America as it relates to what our future is going to look like. We're in the midst of a meltdown in the economy. And we have to really figure out what's going on. We have to figure out what we're going to do about the city. We're going to need some cuts. Uh, we might need to figure out a way for people to take their garbage to the landfill. You know, you might have to go to the lake and pump your own water. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm being facetious, but there are just some things that we're going to have to look at. We're waiting to hear back on um, shared revenue. So we, 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 we hope that um, that'll be coming out. Republican legislators will hold an additional press conference about the proposal at the Wisconsin Center in Milwaukee at 430 today. Um, And so we'll be able to watch it live on their on their stream. And so we are we are just waiting for that to occur when it does. You you know, we'll be in the middle of a commercial when it comes on. Right. So we'll we'll have to wait till it um, returns. But those are the types of things that we hear at the new 1017 the truth want you to understand and see and know because this is this is how it will affect you these these are the things that will affect you directly for example tmj4 has a story on tmj4.com budget fears have Milwaukee County transit system concerned about its future when did that happen you've been running in a deficit for god knows how long Back in the day, everybody said, cut, 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 and you complained, and you made it racial, and you made it financial, and you made it economic, all of which were true, 
but we have to make some hard decisions. And this is the type of decision that is going to affect us all. There's a quote here that says, it's always at the cost of our riders and we're tired of that. Well, you got to pay more then. It's not like a scary thing. Public transportation in Milwaukee began in 1860 with a horse-drawn streetcar. That's 160-plus years ago, but over the last decade, the budget's been stagnant. The system dropped 70 buses and six routes since 2013, and it could get worse. An impending budget crisis has the head of the transit system thinking a future without public transportation services is not Overly dramatic. Are there any major metropolitan areas in the country that do that do not have public safety? Public public safety. Well, yeah, there's a couple of those. Um, public transportation. I wonder. In the last ten years, Milwaukee County Transit System had a stagnant budget, actually dropping by two point one percent since twenty thirteen. Dozens of buses lost along with a half dozen routes while still servicing the same area of the county. The problem is we don't have the riders. It's like opening a school without students. Does that even make any sense? And so if we keep paying, we got to come up with a new way. You have to come up with a way to do it. With American Rescue Plan, the ARP, the ARPA funds are drying up in 2024, so they need to figure out how to fill a gap of $17.9 million to $25.7 million in 2025. I don't know what they'll do. Anybody have any thoughts? 833-212-1017. Somebody said Nashville does not have public transportation. Okay. So are you going to make cars available? Do we have enough gas stations for people that drive? And, you know, there's so many things that go into it. It's just like the idiocy of trying to go with electric vehicles. You don't have the infrastructure for electric vehicles. Maybe hybrid, but not electric. The knuckleheads that are trying to get rid of gas are going to end up shooting themselves in the foot. There's absolutely no way America can do that because our grid cannot take the increase, even by 2030-something, of everybody driving an electric vehicle. Unless you want to give all your money to China because they're the ones that have the majority of the minerals that it takes to make the EV batteries anyway. So each way you look at it, it looks like we keep trying to give our money to China and give everything away to China. And then the first thing people will scream is instead of looking at the information, looking at the data, They'll say, oh, you sound like a Republican. They're already trying to come in, Venezuela, other countries, and remove the dollar as the currency, as the world currency, right? You know, we, we the, the denomination you use with oil and gas is the American dollar. That's how they track it in OPEC. They're like, nope. Use the Chinese, what is it, the yen in China? The Chinese yen, the Japanese yen, I don't know. 
Aaron Moore said Nashville does have public transportation. So anyway. Hello, Dr. Ken. I'm just saying pay the DPW workers their worth and let's stop politicking. Real talk. What what are we politicking about DPW workers? And what and what exactly are they worth? See, that's the question. We keep saying these political comments like pay them what they're worth, just like teachers. But then when you ask them what are they worth, here's what I say. Get out of the union and then we'll pay you more money so you can take more money home. Because I figure if you just get out the union, that'll give you a 7 or 8%, 3, 3 or 4% raise just by itself. So I'm just saying. And if there is no union, ask for more money. But what, what exactly are they worth? Like, I don't know what they're worth. 833-212-1017 is the number. Before we go to break, Brian, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. Yeah, how you doing, Doctor Ken? Hey, what's up? We can ask a question about uh, a lot of these uh, proposals. They must have been uh, proposals or, or uh, uh, wish wishes for the type of money that they're talking about. It's going to cost to build certain things because, if my uh, memory serves me correctly, I think uh, Cavalier. Cavalier Johnson gave out eight million dollars to to uh, narrow Water Street. Couldn't monies like that have gone into the uh, uh, DPW workers? It's way. We, I think we do have the money, unless it's just fake money. If we do have the money, maybe they're not putting the money in the proper places. Maybe they have obligations that they just can't cover, and they might as well come out and. Say that they can't cover it. Well, they can't cover it. They, they can't cover the pension. That's the biggest one. $70 million uh, pension payment they have to make. Where is that money going to come from? Well, that's the whole they point. They can't cover it. That's the whole point. Are they going to cut the pension? Are they going to cut the pension workers' pay? You can't. Okay, if you can't cut the pension workers' pay, where is the operational money coming from? I don't know. Does this how how does this how does this city generate revenue? That's what we need to find out. Well, what how does this city generate revenue? Well, what they're trying to do is see if they can add a tax. I think that's a poor decision to tax people. Add a tax? How are you going to add a tax to Be- people that don't have any money? I'm just saying. How are you going to tax people that don't have nothing? I'm just saying to what. The, don't make I'm any just sense. saying what you can you can say it if you like, but you should probably tell the mayor because they're the ones that are kicking it around and they asked the state to look into that. (laughs) Now the other way is fees. So I just paid for my car. So my car, it's when I got here, it was $60. And I remember, Oh my God, that's a lot of money in Illinois. I only paid blank. Now it's 160. Because everybody it's wants to throw in. You got you got to pay the county. You got to pay the city. You got to pay the state. You got to pay this tax, that tax. That's just going up. There has got to be some way to make this city generate money from outside sources, outside of the Republican uh, uh, Congress coming here next year. There needs to be a, a uh, continual influx of monies into this city to generate monies into this city on a yearly basis, or all these infrastructures are going to collapse. All of them. 
So taxing the people that you already have here, you know that doesn't work because they don't pay the proper fees now for the population that you already have here. Well, they're overpaying. They're already overpaying. Right. And then if you're going to tax them a fee or more, right. that's, that's, that's retarded. You have to come up with some outside influx of monies into this community, period, point blank, full stop. All right. That's where you have to start. You have to start with uh, creative ideas to get other people paying some of these bills in this city. Uh, I don't care if they do it through tourism or uh, uh, some other type of avenue, but they've got to generate more income from other other sources outside of the sources of folks that are already here. Very true. Peace. Thank you much. Appreciate you. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Traffic, weather, and sports up next. More of the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. So do you agree with what Brian said? I mean, where's the money going to come from? Like we, we are at a point, unfortunately, we're hitting a cliff financially. I get a pension from the city of Milwaukee. The amount of money that they need to put into the pension every year is in a ballpark around, what, $70 million. What services with the city of Milwaukee can be transferred to the county? What services can be blended so that it cuts on both ends? That money is now combined and they're able to create an entity to cover it, like law enforcement, like the courts, like corrections. Fire. I mean, we help each other out anyway, right? Many times I've gone to calls on the southwest side of Milwaukee on West Howard, almost at Greenfield, and Greenfield showed up to the call because they were closer. West Dallas showed up to the call because they were closer. We'd back up West Dallas. West Dallas would back us up, Wauwatosa, on and on and on. So, so at some point, we need to come to grips with the fact that we don't need a office of of African American affairs with the city and one with the county. We just need one. 
We don't need a minority business enterprise for the city and minority enterprise for the county and minority enterprise for the state and minority enterprise and all the like we waste money trying to help people in duplicate. And that's the problem in duplicate. 833-212-1017 is the number. I'm going to go live. Robin Voss is on TMJ4 live stream. Uh, Mayor Cavalier Johnson and the other folks are there. Um, and they're just beginning. Yeah, that's right. We do not want an EMS call, right? <laughs> Even though it would be properly funded. Okay, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Robin Voss, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Speaker of the State Assembly. I am joined by many elected officials and fellow legislators from around uh, southeastern Wisconsin, and we are here today with really exciting news for the people in our region. Uh, all across the state, we have heard from our local elected officials, county officials, uh, those who work in city government and town government, of the challenges that have occurred over the course of decades uh, in their local funding. We know in Wisconsin that uh, when the income tax was first proposed, there was a shared revenue formula where local governments, really since 1911, have been receiving payments from the state. But up until about 20 years ago, that formula uh, really started to become broken. Uh, in 2004, the funding level was frozen under both Republicans and Democrats, and we're here today to invest, uh, to explain and uh, make sure that the public understands a historic investment in our local governments. What we're announcing today is the single largest investment in local governments in the history of Wisconsin. That is something that all of us should be proud of because it's being done in a collaborative Wisconsin bipartisan way. Uh, last summer, uh, we began to have discussions with many of our local partners about what was occurring with especially local police, local fire, transportation, and services that the public have come to depend on. Uh, over the course of the past six months, conversations have happened in a way that is really refreshing. They're bipartisan, they're consensus building, and they are focused on actually finding a solution, not just looking for the problems. Uh, not too long ago, somebody said to me that there are two kinds of elected officials, problem solvers and problem seekers. I think I am proud to say that everybody here on this stage, and I would say hopefully the entire legislature, are focused on being in the Problem Solvers Caucus, and that's what we're here to announce today. So the plan that we are announcing will continue uh, based on the idea that we heard this morning for the entire state, but let me just reiterate. Uh, the state of Wisconsin going forward will invest one out of every five cents of sales tax dollars that are generated in the state back into a fund that will be especially segregated for local government. That means for all of the programs that are currently funded by the state, those will continue. Uh, there will be revenue streams that actually increase over time. One of the things we've also heard from our local partners is they need to have an ongoing revenue source that is not stagnant, but grows as the economy grows. This fund actually will take the increase in sales tax over time. It'll be run through a formula where there are different buckets, and each of those buckets will grow as the sales tax in our economy continues to expand. Uh, we also focused on putting money into helping local governments change how they operate. 
Uh, in addition to the almost three, uh, $225 million that will be invested in shared revenue increased payments, uh, we are also creating something called the Innovation Fund. It means that there will be $300 million allowed for local governments who choose, entirely voluntary, to cooperate with each other, to share services, improve the delivery that we give to our constituents, hopefully all at a lower price. And the state of Wisconsin will be their partner. It's a three-year pilot program where we'll have the chance to innovate and watch our local partners use every bit of local creativity to be able to find a way to hopefully deliver better services at the same or lower cost. We're also tripling funding for our local emergency grants to local governments to upgrade their 911 systems. We're providing significant increases to EMS services. Um, we are going from about $2 million to $15 million to help uh, not only ensure that we have equipment and durable goods on our ambulances, but that every part of the state benefits from that. One of the other things that we've also heard is we go, are going through such a challenge for folks who are in local law enforcement. Uh, the state of Wisconsin provides training grants to every municipality to train officers to join our police departments. We are doubling that funding, which will be significant relief not only to those local um, governments, but also for the officers who are involved uh, that sometimes have to pay that out of their own pocket. All of these are done in a way that ensures we have maximum transparency, maximum accountability, and it all also happens by us repealing the personal property tax. In this bill, uh, the state of Wisconsin is going to get rid of one of the most onerous taxes for small business, and we're doing it in a way that fully funds local government so they are held harmless. So imagine that. Increased funding for our local governments, more flexibility to help them innovate, and we eliminate a tax in a bipartisan way. It's something that I am... Yeah, you can applaud for that. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I think that is something that is incredibly important. But before we take questions, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Mayor Johnson. I just want to be able to say, you know, before Mayor Johnson got elected, we had met a few times. Uh, but I want to say that the collaborative effort that we have had with the city, the county, the town's association, the county's association, the League of Municipalities, and all of the partners who are in there is something that should give the people of Wisconsin hope because we certainly don't come from the same zip code, we don't come from the same party, but it is really refreshing to know that we have the same goal in mind, and while we might not always take the same path, I think we're hopefully arriving at the same place. So, Mayor Johnson? Thank you. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm ruining the press conference. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, uh, Mr. Speaker. I really appreciate uh, those words and the opportunity to work with you, uh, the work, uh, the opportunity to work with uh, my colleagues at Milwaukee County, other legislators uh, as well. Uh, the Speaker and I have spent a lot of time together uh, as of late. I talked about having a cot in the Capitol when I got elected uh, mayor, uh, and I've been, uh, spent a lot of time in the Speaker's office and in other legislators' uh, office uh, as of late, uh, too. Uh, he's a tough negotiator, uh, I will tell you that, and I suppose he uh, might say the same thing about me, about the county exec, and so many others as well. Uh, I'm pleased, though, that we've made some significant strides towards a remedy to the city's uh, fiscal issues. Uh, from the outset, that's been paramount, a paramount goal of mine. And this legislation starts to diversify revenue sources for the city of Milwaukee. Uh, it starts to increase the amount of shared revenue that goes to the city of Milwaukee and other units of government across the state. And it puts Milwaukee in a path to resolve its onerous pension obligations. Legislative action on Milwaukee's fiscal challenges required everyone at the table to listen, to also understand, 
and also to act. So, Speaker Voss, I want to thank you for hearing uh, our concerns. Uh, I want to thank, uh, as well, uh, leadership in the Wisconsin State Senate uh, for their active participation and uh, bipartisan engagement on this issue. I also appreciate uh, the uh, involvement of Governor Tony Evers uh, as well. Uh, look, there are areas here where there are disagreements, um, but what remains is that we continue to discuss these matters and work together in a bipartisan, collaborative approach to solve the problems. Uh, that said, the progress we've made is notable. In fact, uh, it is unprecedented in modern history. Uh, the discussions have required uh, open-mindedness and have also required diligence on all parts uh, of this agreement. And fundamentally, there is an understanding that Milwaukee's future is important to the entire state of Wisconsin, not just here locally, not just here in the city, but Milwaukee's future is important to the entire state of Wisconsin. Uh, my city will continue to be the state's most important economic and cultural center. Uh, we are an essential location for jobs. We're an essential location in Wisconsin for higher education as well. Whether it's Fortune 500 companies, uh, major banks, accounting firms, law practices, manufacturing, tech, uh, service industries, Milwaukee is at the heart of Wisconsin's future. Uh, there are steps ahead, but we've established an approach where common interests and respect, quite frankly, uh, rule the day. So thank you again to, to the speaker. Thanks so much again to uh, legislative leaders who we've worked with over the course of the last year. Uh, and thanks as well to the partner that I'll introduce right now. We've worked uh, uh, very closely over time, uh, Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley. Good afternoon. So first and foremost, it is, it is a pleasure to be here because today we stand here to acknowledge that some of the first steps that have been taken uh, as it relates to local revenue reform, these are the first steps we've seen in nearly a generation. And when you think about it, after 20 years of stagnation, we are making progress on meeting the needs of communities all across Milwaukee County, one of the most vital economic drivers right here in the state of Wisconsin. And I would say that communities across the state have been sounding the alarm that the demand for local services is beginning to outpace their ability to pay for those services. And I think that we can all agree that we cannot continue to keep kicking this can down the road. And so leaving this problem for generations of leaders is no more. But I would also say that for Milwaukee County, the situation is even more dire as we are facing a fiscal cliff in just a few short years that will severely hamper our ability to continue paying for critical services that residents rely on. But I want to be very clear. There is more work to be done in this process, and this is not the finish line. But after years of political bickering on this issue, this is an actionable step forward in making government work for the people that it serves and securing the future of Milwaukee County government and the economic future of our, of our entire region. The potential, impact of continuing, uh, in, the potential impact of continuing core services without having to stare down harmful, devastating cuts in perpetuity cannot be overstated. The shape of this, uh, of this proposed legislation represents a punctuation mark in resetting the relationship between the legislature and leaders right here in the Milwaukee County region. It shows that Milwaukee County is, is, making a good, is being a good faith actor in the push to improve local revenue conditions. And thank you to leadership in both chambers and all caucuses for continuing this work on this important issue. And I also want to say thank you to uh, Governor Evers as well for his advocacy and his commitment to supporting the success of local partners, specifically right here in Milwaukee County. But again, this is not the finish line. 
And so we are going to continue to work on a solution uh, that prioritizes raising local dollars to solve local issues without a budgetary cost to the state of Wisconsin that doesn't compromise resources for other communities as well. So again, thank you so much for your partnership, for your willingness to work with us. And with that, I would like to bring to the podium a Majority Leader, Tyler August. And there you have it. We heard from Speaker Robin Voss, Mayor Cavalier Johnson, and County Executive David Crowley regarding the proposed shared revenue um, presentation that they're going to be submitting eventually to the governor. Some of the things will need to be through referendum. We'll have to vote on them. And other things will have to uh, be voted on and presented to the governor for his signature but it's a positive step. I have to, uh, before we go to break, I have to to give it to the mayor. Um, he, Mayor Cavalier Johnson, uh, David Crowley, County Executive, Milwaukee County Executive, and Speaker Voss from the Assembly have done a great job along with a bipartisan group to make sure, just maybe, this is the start of helping Milwaukee pull itself away from that economic cliff. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. In the 5 o'clock hour, all of us in Milwaukee will be coming up. We'll be right back. More of the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number. You've been hearing uh, live reports from um, the Milwaukee Center as it relates to um, shared revenue here in the state of Wisconsin. It sounds like we are going to be very pleased with um, what's happening and what's going on. It may go to help the county as it relates to the bus issue. It'll help the city as it relates to police, fire, and pensions. Um, I think what will happen is it'll free up money so that every year when we get shared revenue, we know that we can use that money for training more officers and generating more revenue and bringing in more people. Um, DPW workers, hopefully, hopefully teachers and so on. So I think it's a phenomenal start. I think it's a great start. Uh, I believe that in the future uh, it will, it will set Milwaukee on a positive road. That's just me. Make sure you listen to truth in the afternoon with me, Dr. Ken Harris on Wednesday. May 3rd, I will be broadcasting live from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee College Signing Day, presented by Direct Supply. I'll be speaking with students from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee about their journey through high school to college. Again, that's Truth in the Afternoon, live from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee College Signing Day, next Wednesday on the new 101.7 The Truth. And you still got to live bit of time truth nation locations are set and it's time to clean up our city we'll be there saturday april 29th for the tory low cleanup 
So the truthcommunitycleanup.com, go there. You want to volunteer, make sure you get it all done. Everybody who comes gets a hat, get a shirt, and a free lunch provided by Cousin Subs. Uh, register today, truthcommunitycleanup.com. It's sponsored by St. Anne's Center, the best intergenerational care in Milwaukee's Cousin Subs, better bread, better subs, Cousin Subs.